welcome to Pardon the Confusion. Today is March 11th where we're recording this podcast and we are, uh, this is Travis Greer, uh, your host for tonight. And as usual, I'm joined by uh, two of my, my good buddies, Paul Arnold and Ernest Watts. And uh, t- tonight we, we, uh, we're, we're ready to talk sports. We have a lot of good things. We're going hit, to hit some headlines. We're going to kind of almost be like a, a Jeopardy kind of starting out. Um, I'm going to give some headlines of some awesome things that are going on this week and some anniversaries, so you will. And we'll just let maybe Paul and Ernest tap into some of those things. So, um, Paul, are you doing okay tonight? I'm doing pretty good because my University of Michigan Wolverines will be a number one seed in the March Madness. Go Wolverines. Nice. What about you, Ernest? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. My Hurricanes... As of tonight, we'll have the best record in the NHL. The NHL, and and that that's a perfect line there, Ernest. And I, as I mentioned, I want to go over some headlines. And just what we heard dropped upon us the other night, you're a big NHL fan. NHL is marrying and hitching back up with ESPN after a Seventeen-year hiatus, you know, seventeen-year breakup, and they're back together. And there's some people who still have some heartache and of of a hard breakup back in 2004. Ernest, what you got to say about that? Are dust you excited off, about it? Oh yeah, dust off Barry Melrose, get his uh, <laughs> mullet ready, uh, get find out where Darren Tang is at, dust him off. We can always use Paul. Paul is. I his, knew uh, you were going to say that. He's always I, said that I look like Derek Pang. Not all bald guys look the same, Ernest. <laughs> no, they don't. You don't look like Samuel Jackson. Oh yeah. Oh, Why man. don't you do that now? See, I see. I just, I just disproved your theory right there. Yeah, I gotta be it, more this specific. This is a fascinating. Okay, back to the more serious stuff. This is a fascinating change. Because uh, NBC was already, they're ending MSNBC right after Paul purchased it. Uh, And they were going to shift some of the uh, games to, they were going to shift them to USA. But this is how big the change is going to be. Uh, They're doubling the rights fee. Right now they're getting about $200 a year. They're going to get $400 million a year. And they're still, this is only half the games. Mm -hmm. And so there's another network, be that, Fox, who's losing everything, or NBC would retain some of the package. They're going to eliminate the NHL, not the network, but the pay-per-view channels. All NHL games will be on ESPN+. Plus, Which you have yes. to pay for. Well, yeah, but a lot cheaper than the NHL uh, network where you pay for out-of-town out games. So it's a lot cheaper than that. You've got a platform. They're going to go back to a week, a nightly show, a highlight show. Steve Levy, I guess, will come back and do this again. Give up Monday Night Football and do hockey. Linda Cohen can talk about the Rangers again. There's just something about when, when ESPN has a franchise, it tends to bring the national attention to Look at UFC. When ESPN bought the UFC, that brought into the natural spotlight. And they put it on the ESPN+. Plus. But it's focused, and you hear all this UFC on there on the Sports Center. Sports Center tends to focus on the properties that ESPN owns. And we like to think of ESPN as some form of journalism. It really is not. It's more of a rights holder. And the sports that it holds rights to are the ones that it focuses on. Right now, that's been college football, the NFL. And the NBA, which are the big three in sports. Baseball has drifted off because ESPN has weekly games, but it only has a few playoff games. You bring the NHL in here, and they're going to have the rights to the finals, to the outdoor games, to the all-star games. You're going to make it the second or third thing on Sports Center every night. This is great for hockey. Paul, what do you think? I agree. When... Uh... ESPN had before, it was part of the good old days when you had one package with Comcast or whatever your cable provider was, and you had the sports package, which meant you got ESPN and maybe ESPN2 back in those days, um, and maybe Fox. But nowadays, the landscape is so crazy that everybody wants a piece of the pie. Um, So I'm glad it's going back to ESPN. I can find it easier than I might watch more hockey. I've actually watched more hockey through Sling, 
which is one of those side uh, channel, you know, deals where I can watch it there. Um, so it's just a confusing landscape. I'm curious, though, with you guys, do you guys pay more now than you did, let's say, five years ago for all of your entertainment-type subscriptions? Yeah. That's, that's a gripe of mine. Uh, I, I'm, I've been a subscriber to DirecTV for, for many years. Of course, I cut the the signal to that satellite up in space uh, several months back when the pandemic hit, not because it was hurting us, but I just got tired of paying hundreds of dollars for a lot of channels that didn't watch. And we, we went streaming TV, but I, I'm, I'm subscribing to ATT TV now with the subscription, still get some uh, local live channels and, but I just got an email late last week. They're hiking it up ten more dollars, and I just think you know, there's this big shift to streaming your TV, and you know, prices were low to get you in, and they're just slowly to work it back up with the vast majority. Um, but I, I was struggling that way with St. Paul, as you said. Like uh, you know, I'd like to try to watch more hockey, but I'm finding trying to find okay which channel subscription that I need to to find maybe Fox Four Southeast to maybe watch our Carolina Hurricanes on. You know, or the Atlanta Braves when they they start playing again. So that's what I've struggled with, and all those subscription channels have 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 dropped that. So it's like I agree with you; it's a confusing landscape. And I know I know uh, uh, Miss Wanda Ernest. She gives you a, a very generous budget to subscribe <laughs> to everything that you need. He what's, doesn't do anything your... else though. That's sports is his only you know vice. That's it. I don't play golf. I don't. But the fascinating thing about this is this is an overall Disney strategy. And that it's the yeah. only broadcast group that has really kind of waited or, or, you know, kind of waited through this whole coronavirus of the last year. And and with Disney Plus and with Hulu and with uh, ESPN, they, they've kind of kept financially somewhat stable because, the you know, they're going after the Super Bowl. They're looking about moving the Monday night games back to ABC. And the big rumor is – that after this next year, ESPN Plus is going after Sunday Ticket. So they're going to, and with no additional cost, but if they get Sunday Ticket, they have all the MLS games are on ESPN Plus. But Ernest, how much is ESPN Plus? How much more is that a month for you? $5, $10? Uh, It's it's $55 a year. For a year. $55 for a year. So... Then we get Disney Plus, and that's another sixty dollars a year on their introductory. Rate. But they have, yeah, but they have a package rate where you can get that and Hulu for twelve bucks a month. But why would three. I want yeah. Hulu if it doesn't have more sports, or does it? It has a lot of sports. But it also has a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. It's so hard to find it. You got to trace down where all these. You know, it's like you need an old-fashioned like newspaper. To show you what where the sports are all at, you know the old days they used to say, okay, here's a lineup of sports for tomorrow, and they would show you what channel to turn on. Does anybody get a newspaper anymore, or do we all just look and Google it? There's a website called Awful Announcing, which each day tells you what sports is on what channels. Ah, there we go. That's Awful Announcing. Awful Announcing. Okay. An awful announcing, and it lists every day all the sports programming on all regional sports networks. Uh, we found out a secret, they, Travis. The, all these yes, years, we're wondering why, uh, how. Yeah. Now, that, are we on there? Source. <laughs> <laughs> awful. We will be soon. Yeah, we yeah. will be soon. Yeah. We're not a live sport. That's right, the difference. Right. We're, we're tape delayed. Which is an out, which is now outdated term because nothing's on tape anymore. Everything's digital. But we still say tape delay. When you see broadcasts later on, they'll say on on TV they'll say tape delay, which they're not taping. They're, they're no, they say recorded, recorded at a previous time. But you'll still see tape delay on some of them at the bottom. Mm. Yeah, but uh, it's, 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 even even the sixty four year old guy knows that's digital. Yeah, but, but speaking of delay, um, man, uh, you know, back uh, another headline that I saw today, actually March 11th, 2020, you know, the NBA season, COVID got real serious back kind of when I remember us all texting that day. It's like NBA shutting down. This is, COVID is getting real. March 11th, 2020, 
Uh, I know y'all remember that day, but, uh, but yeah, that's a significant headline this week. Um, a few others. I don't know if you want to talk about them. Uh, Chuck well, Norris well, had an 80, 81st birthday yesterday. Uh, Dak Prescott he signed a uh, a new contract with Dallas. You're you, not going to let us hit do, on any of those. You're not going to let us do Chuck Norris jokes or anything. <laughs> Chuck Norris uh, saw the angel of death and knocked him out or something. Well, <laughs> I got one real quick, like since we're talking about Corona, and it'll go into another category, is uh, the situation with Duke men's basketball today uh, yeah. because of a positive coronavirus. I know you're crying tears over that, Ernest. Oh, yes, I'm so I, I do feel bad for the players because this is two years in a row. They're not going to get to the NCAA tournament. But here, here's the point. Again, the whole story is they had at least one positive sign. Uh, and they had to withdraw from the ACC, and the AD has said the season is over. Now, a little insight. Um, the ACC tournament is in Greensboro, which, for those of you not familiar with North Carolina, is about an hour away from the campus in Durham, North Carolina. Duke was going back and forth. The, the kids were staying in their dorm and transporting, and there had been a big outbreak because of spring break on Duke's campus. They've had a 30% increase in coronavirus. But the, you know, anybody who thinks this is the only team that's going to go to this, I think is sadly mistaken. I think, to me, all the NCAA coaches are ready to get the tournaments over and, and get if they are in the tournament, get to Indiana. They're just sweating this out because they've seen what happened to Duke. And the story came out from, uh, I think, Dave Gavitt this week, that if you know, you're going to have to have five scholarship players to participate in the NCAA tournaments all around Indiana in that respect. But I really think guys are going like being very, very careful after what's happened to Duke and go like, just, just get us to Sunday and we can leave. And I think they're going to be quarantined for six days before the tournament starts. If six you or were seven a coach, days. would you be tempted to get some vaccinations on the side and give it to your players Ooh. and not tell anybody? Because if you did that, your chances, you'd have to, they would be out for maybe a couple of days, but the, Long term is you have a better chance of making it all the way through. I know they're not supposed to get it because they're too young, but we've seen inconsistencies about getting the vaccine all over the country. But is there any yeah. coach that would go and do that on the side just to make sure they could stay healthy all the way through the tournament? That's the assumption that kids would take it. I mean, yes, that is that assumption. Do you, do you think a coach, and he couldn't do this legally, do you think he would deny a player the ability to suit up if he refused to take the vaccinations? Well, I'm and just, again, unless he takes the Johnson and Johnson, yeah, he'll one take and one, and it's going to be after the uh, NCAA's before he can take the second one. No, they don't take a second one, Johnson Johnson. It's one and done. No, no. Other than that, unless they get the Johnson Johnson, oh. they get well. It's just the, get the other. Two, I'm just rifting off get the primary. I'm just rifting off your point. Your point is this is going to shut down other teams besides Duke. And just to be awfully tempting if you had a top 10 team and think, this is my big chance, but I just got to keep my players healthy. So I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying anybody's going to do it, but it's human nature, I think, to try to uh, do anything you can to win. And at what lengths will people do this year in COVID year? Well, now, if you were in New Jersey or North Carolina, you could claim you smoked, uh, is it 180 cigarettes, Travis? A hundred cigarettes, you know, so we're North Carolina to phase four. Yes, go ahead. In New Jersey and North Carolina, if you claim you smoke in a hundred cigarettes, no matter what age you are, you can get the vaccine. There you go. There, yeah. This is their way in. It's, uh, start smoking. And, but, but No, no, I don't want to do that. And, and again, the Johnson & Johnson are in short supply right now. So if they get the first, again, they're not going to be fully inoculated before the end of the NCAA tournament. No, um, no. That's, that's the other issue. With it. I mean, and again, I would, there, there'd be some issues about what if a kid, I mean, the assumption is everybody who's eligible to be inoculated wants to take the injections. We're already seeing people object, object to the, getting the shots. And so what if a kid yeah, on scholarship, would you, would you, would you threaten to jerk their scholarship if they didn't get the shot? Could you legally uh, do that? This sounds like a movie, doesn't it? Like a science fiction movie. Well, oh, but then again, it's there's real. So many it's permutations. There's so many permutations this has brought out that, like I said, that I, you know, some 
some teams are going back and forth to campus if they're fairly close to the sites of the tournament. Others are staying isolated in hotels. Okay, Even Ernest, that, how many of the top 20 teams are going in? The, let's say the top, uh, the 67, is there 67 teams in the tournament or 69? 68. 60, out of 68, how many teams will be forced out because of COVID? Right now, predict. I think at least three. Three? Three to five. Yeah. yeah. Is that what you think, Travis? I was thinking about a third. I was thinking about a third of the team. So wow. you think, I don't think you know. it'd be that high. I don't think it'd be that high. I think three to five. And see what really hurts is the uh one bid tournaments, uh, the one bid conferences, because they've been told already that the second place team, or in a case that a team other than the first place regular season team wins, uh if the team that goes in the tournament it can't qualify due to COVID, they will not be replaced. They'll just move it. Kind of like Florida State did. They were lined up to play Duke tonight, and they moved up to the quarterfinals yeah. for that reason. I mean, they'll just they'll just move a team up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just being pessimistic, you know, because it's spring, like the scenario is the spring break, friends and, uh, you know, people traveling more, you know, uh, to the games, from the games, to, you know, wherever they're doing, you know, there's – uh, I just I think it's definitely going to be more than six for what sure. What about all the Texas teams? Teams that are from Texas. Do you think there's a higher chance that they will and be playing? And mean, Mississippi. And Mississippi. And well, Mississippi. Uh, I think right now they're. I think smart coaches are isolating them. Like I said, I think a lot of coaches and ads, more ads and coaches because this is a big form of revenue. I think they're trying to isolate their teams as best they can, but you know, there's just no way. These are college kids, and and to watch 15 to 20 kids, because you're not only the players, you're talking about the student managers, you're talking about support staff. It's it's kind of hard to keep your eyes on everybody. I mean, it's and if you get down to where you only got five scholarship players, I don't care if you are Michigan or Baylor or Gonzaga. Uh, it's going to reduce your opportunity to, to move up, to, to sure. advance. I mean, I just – I hope it's not a mess, but it, it kind of leads to common sense tells you we're going to have some un, unforeseen circumstances with the tournament. Yeah, and that, that leads us – we kind of got on this topic with, based on the, the one-year anniversary of COVID and now where we are with all things – sports and COVID and vaccine shots and and we segued into to March Madness and here we are right it's going to be even much more madness as we've as you heard today another headline Duke is pulled out due to COVID cases is it just going to be even madness to to try to even predict you know and do brackets this year I know that's a big thing across the nation from years past on filling your bracket out and all those things and what's 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 your initial thoughts and how, how obviously we've heard how the tournament can potentially go with the COVID protocols and so forth, but any particular matchups and teams that you're looking forward to, to, to watching Paul, any, any of yours? I know I, I hear Michigan's doing pretty good yeah. this year. Yeah. So, you know, one of the scariest things uh, for a really good team is to be undefeated going into the NCAA. I know uh, the last Undefeated team was UCLA back in what year, Ernest? Like 1971 or something? Indiana. Indiana, 1976. It is so incredibly rare. And I know you can debate, is there ever such thing as a good loss? But I would say there's some uh, things you learn from having tight games. So Gonzaga going in at 26-0, and it just feels like they're being set up to lose a tight game. And... Uh, my son David is saying this year more than any year we're going to see more of those upsets. The number twelve upsets the five, or you know something like that. Um, you know, as much as I love Michigan, they don't have one player that just takes over. Their center does occasionally, Hunter Dickinson, and he's good. Uh, but they're really a balanced team, and I'm a little concerned about John Howard's experience. He's never had experience, you know, in the NCAA. So. Um, He's got a good assistant. Things can happen. They're they're a deep team, and they got some good transfers. I think the scary team is really Illinois. They have so much raw talent, and their team, their coach has them really fired up. Baylor has the best like NBA talent, as Ernest has pointed out last week. 
Um, but if you want to, usually it's a one or number one or number two seed that usually wins. The second four number two seeds predicted by Sporting News is Alabama, if you can believe it. Talk about a basketball school at twenty-one and six. Mm. Iowa at twenty to seven, even though they got in trouble retiring Garza's number that was Marble's number. Uh, Houston of all teams, twenty-one and three, and Ohio State. Those dumb Buckeyes at nineteen eight is probably going to be the number two seed. So probably out of those. Top eight teams, you're going to have the winner. So, Ernest, if it's not number one of the number ones, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Illinois, who do you think is the best chance of winning it? Boy, I like the guard play for West Virginia. I do. Ooh, know they he lost goes down that. to a number three. Yeah, I like, I like West or Virginia. Uh, if, if if you know, I like I like them. I also uh, I like Tennessee. I like, but they're all left-handers. They create problems themselves. For themselves or for other teams? We could go for other teams. (laughs) Okay, Uh, all right. We could go, I would have said Florida State, but they've hit a a dry spell, so to speak. I think they're getting rest in that they only have to play at most two games in the SEC tournament. They're a big, versatile team, but they just don't play that well on the road. Uh, You Ohio State still – a little short. I mean, that top four is above and beyond everybody else. But this is such a weird year, and this is just weird circumstance. And not knowing what COVID's going to do, plus the idea of all these guys being played in, in virtually one state and one location. Uh, you know, it's it's Texas is a team too. That Are you going to go? Oh, but your pick is West Virginia. Is that what you said first? I would West Virginia, but look out for Texas. Texas has got speed. They got good guard play. They've got a great center in Brown. So West Virginia, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, West Virginia. Well, they call them Press Virginia because they full court press. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I like West Virginia. That's my dark horse. Them in Texas. You know, I don't know why I'm leaning to the Big Twelve. They've played very good basketball all year long. I think Virginia will be upset very easily. Virginia's been a disappointment this year. If you're looking for teams that will go out fast, Virginia's one, USC's another one. No love for Villanova? I mean, yes, they got upset. Two starters out. Yeah, Colin Gillespie's out. Um, Their other guard, uh, the other big man, Earl's injured. So they're they're just hurting. I mean, they've got injury problems. The Big East has been as big a disappointment as the ACC this year. Mm. So, I mean, it's been the Southeastern Conference. It's been the Big 12 and the Big 10. That's been the big Big conference. Big 10, baby, all the way. How many years has it been? 35 years since the Big 10 team is is won? What? Michigan State was not 35. Michigan State was the last one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what, 2001? Yeah. So it's been 21 yeah, years? I guess so. Years? I'll be quiet now. That was Mateen Cleaves. That was yeah. Mateen, yeah, it was Mateen Cleaves and that team. Actually, talking about undefeated teams, there have been several undefeated teams that went to the tournament and lost since Indiana. How could you forget Scotty May, Kent Benson, and all that crowd, and Quinn Buckner? Well, Travis uh, the, wasn't alive back then. That's why okay. he can't remember it. Okay, yeah, the Kentucky team of – what about six years ago that came in lost to Wisconsin to Frank Kaminsky in the semifinals. You had Wichita State, which lost to Kansas about eight. Are you years looking ago. on the computer right now? No, this is off the top of my head, or I could give you the years. You had a Cincinnati team that Keon Martin got hurt and broke his leg, and they lost. And Duke in two thousand. When did Duke lost to Connecticut? That was 99. Duke was undefeated when they lost to UConn in 99. So Gonzaga fans, so sorry. Maybe next year. Yeah, I mean, I watched that BYU game, and, and they're just not physical enough. And, and they have high, they have problems. Again, the, the big man, I like Timmy. I do. Timmy! I, I like him as <laughs> a big man. Uh, his footwork, like I said last week, reminds me of Kevin McHale. And and their guard work Rispet is is just a great shooter, but he runs hot and cold, and they have no depth whatsoever. I mean, mm-hmm. talent wise, uh, Baylor has four NBA guards. 
Uh, Michigan, again, you hit a good spot there. You you got a guy who could be your number one man, you, you forward there, but but uh, you know their their team is going to be number one ranked next year at the top of the polls. But uh, it, 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 again, the, their team that, that uh, you kind of kind of work. There's no real. You got four teams that are separated from the rest. But if if an if if we you know the lowest. I said this last week. The lowest seed ever to win was uh, 82. 80, no, yeah, 82. That was Villanova beating Georgetown. They were a seventh seed. I could see a 12th seed winning this year and not be yeah. surprised. But no, I'm not that. looking this up, Paul. This is all off the top of my head. Yeah, that, that bald head, right? That big old yeah. bald head. Picking well, on Paul. But Ernest, you said, I still those Homer Simpson three hairs over the top. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Ernest, you said a couple key words that, that I've written down some things that I just want to bring up tonight. But and you said injuries. Uh, one of the teams plagued by injuries. And one of the, the highlight moment, not a highlight, but a low light moment that I, that I recall was uh, of a specific injury related to tournament time in March Madness was when the Louisville player went down and pretty much snapped his fibula or tibia Smith. one. And yes, uh, that was just horrific. And uh, as I was thinking about, you know, our, our discussion tonight, just chat with you guys, you know, kind of the week I have my son uh, had his first serious sports injury, you know, uh, this week, Saturday it was opening up spring training for my son and coaches pitch and, we were doing assessments. They were warming up their arms, and all of a sudden, my son gets whacked in the nose and breaks his nose. And uh, and uh, things got repaired today. When we we got that taken care of today and got got things straightened out. And the first thing as a dad that I could think of is, you know, got him to the restroom, got all the blood cleaned up, straightened out, see what's going on, see what actually got hit because I didn't see him actually get hit. But uh, once we got it cleaned up, I said, hey, all right, look at me. And I said, oh, your nose is crooked. You broke your nose. <laughs> and uh, the, all the thing, only thing I could think of was the movie scene of The Longest Yard when Adam Sandler straightens <laughs> out the, right. the big guy's nose. I said, I can't believe everything I've seen in the movies. I did put my thumbs up there and just take a feel and said, yeah. Now that, was, hospital. that was a remake of the original mm-hmm. Longest Yard. Correct. Riddle. Correct. Yeah. And the guy breaking the nose was Richard Kyle. Who played uh-huh. Jaws in uh, James Bond movies? Who was a seven foot? Yes, and that. Go ahead. That, no, I remember that guy. He his nose is definitely crooked and broken, but hopefully, hopefully Landon, you know, uh, he'll he'll be okay. And he he didn't really freak out and start crying until I, I said we'll have to go to the hospital. Was it uh, a to get baseball this. that hit him in the nose or bad or what? It was baseball. They were warming up. You know, their arms. He was teamed up with another guy playing catch and. Uh, all the other sets of guys warm up their arms. They were a little too tight and close. And one of the other kids threw the ball to his partner. And it, I guess it got away from him and, and got him pretty good, socked him pretty good in the, the, the nose. So, but uh, do you guys recall any, uh, what's, what's some kind of horrific injuries that just stick in your mind or one of the injuries that you've had sports related, um, in the past, you will go first, Paul. I got one. Of course, I do. I think we've talked maybe down with um, Travis, but we've talked about you know Joe Thighs and we talked about Alex Smith. Oh, I, no, he's talking personally in our oh, lives. Oh, personally yeah, in personally? our lives. Um, didn't you play a game, Ernest, football with a broken ankle? Yeah, yeah, sprained ankle. Well, the worst was my senior year, we were playing, uh, and and we were a terrible team my senior year and we were playing this stadium where we were down to like 15 players you know like we went offense defense one guy came off and our wide receiver had a compound fracture in which the bone was broke breaking through the skin mm-hmm. kind of like joe thighs and and we're all gathered around him and he's screaming and hollering and just as quiet and and the one guy on our team who was high all the time started <laughs> he started doing the Lord's Prayer and we all broke down and laughed. And here's this guy lying in pain. Yeah, and we were laughing. laughing. And I'm sure on the sidelines we were like down fifty to nothing because every game we played that year, we started the game down fifty to nothing. Wow. Well, it was this is how bad our team was. It's the big problem was the backfield would give away every, every play. Because when they break for huddle in the backfield, uh, three guys would be laughing and one guy would be crying. So they knew who would get the ball all the time. That was the worst. I mean, my son broke his leg 
in a junior high basketball game. And we were this really uh, isolated junior high school. And I knew he was going to do – we all – me and the coach both knew that, that he was going to do something bad because he had been pulled down and fouled and they called foul. And they were going down with the other ball, and he took off with the idea that he was going to block the shot or kill the other guy. And he blocked the shot, but unfortunately, the concession stand, for some stupid reason, they'd set it up under the bleachers. So he fell, actually he broke his arm, he fell on the desk and broke his arm. And I rode with the ambulance back there, and he complained that I fussed with him the entire way, because it was a stupid play. Because he was going to block the shot no matter what. Uh, you, you, you're just an idiot. You know, you don't, you know, your your season's gone because you got mad. But, you know, that was, all my sons, my oldest, my youngest had two labrum surgeries in college while playing college football. So that's just, I mean, if you got to get playing sports, he's going to get hurt. That's yeah. the nature of, you, you, you get a, like a, a, uh, uh, a legitimate, kinesiology degree after a while if you've got a kid playing sports yeah. bit, you know where the medial the anterior crucial ligament is you know where the meniscus is you know where the you, you do you learn all this stuff this segment <laughs> brought to you by WebMD I was going to say that's, this is before WebMD but uh, yeah. you learn all those but, injuries what about you Paul I mean sometimes you got to play hurt you know and pick up and go fight through it rub some dirt on it but any, any stories you have uh, make it quick, because Ernest always loves hockey, but I'm the one who played it. I was the week before our biggest game of the year against our arch rival. I was in practice playing goalie, and I got a slap shot right in the inside of my ankle, because a uh, um, goalie skate does protect you someplace, but not everywhere. And I limped off, and it swole up. It was dark blue. We went and X-rayed. It wasn't broken, but I broke blood vessels in it. I rested for two days, and I was able to play the game. But I had lots of Advil and cold stuff going on, and actually we won it. So, you know, maybe <laughs> you never know what's going to help you in those type of days. It's the adrenaline. It's the adrenaline. It is the adrenaline. That's awesome. So, Ernest, and you said another one, UConn, with a, um, another keyword was another another topic. This this past, earliest week it was like International Women's Day. We're celebrating women and stuff like that. All things they do, you know. Every, day, every day we celebrate yeah. women. Every day we're, we do. You know, we we're do. all married men, so we have to put that in. Hubba Sorry. hubba. But uh, and one thing I'm fascinated about, you know, with just some women's athletes and things like that, it's just. Uh, one sport in particular, softball, and how they, you know, they pitch the ball and stuff like that. It's just amazing how they can get the arm and that motion and stuff like that. But other thing is, I think about women's sports is, you know, obviously the '99 Women's World Cup and uh, just their 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 victory there. And um, any other women's sports moments, you know, that kind of come to your mind this week as as our nation internationally we celebrate and think of women's and so forth. Ironic <laughs> that you bring this up. Yeah. I'm reading a book called How to Watch Basketball. And the book basically takes basketball and examines it by different ways. Like it looked at the 13 rules of basketball by Dr. James Naismith and video game creators have looked at it. And the idea or concept is he, he created these 13 rules, but he left enough room in between rules for the sport to grow. And the irony is Dr. James Naismith, he, uh, encouraged women to play within the first two months after winning the game. He thought that women played basketball much better than men. So he was an early proponent of that. And, and the fact that uh, they actually came up with dribbling because the original rules was you could not run with the ball. So women would start throwing the ball, passing to themselves, and eventually got the idea or concept of dribbling it. They used soccer balls. And they would bounce it on the ground, and that's where the dribbling came from. Women came up with dribbling in basketball. So without the early proponents, women, and, and even remember this was a w, uh, WM, uh, YMCA, not a YWMCA, that he worked for. But he encouraged it and took it over to the uh, YWCA for women as a sport in the winter to create. And he was a big proponent. Also, here's our trivia question. The only coach with a losing record as a basketball coach at Kansas was Paul who? Naismith? Yes. 
Dr. James Naismith is the only coach at Kansas to have a losing record. He was a horrible coach, a great creator of the sport itself. But uh, and he also he was afraid of corporate corporatization of the sport. He didn't want money to get into it. If he was alive today, he would oh his eyes would roll back in his head. But uh, in women's basketball, the popularity and one that we didn't mention is, is women's tennis. I'm a big I've always loved to watch women's tennis, going back to Billie Jean King and Margaret Court and all those in the early seventies and sixties. To Serena Evans, to, uh, Serena Williams, excuse me, today. Okay, I'm going to be politically incorrect for a second or two. All right, <laughs> I'm just warning you folks out there. All righty. So the trouble I have with women's sports is when I'm comparing it to the men's sports, meaning that if I'm watching women's basketball, I compare it to the men's basketball game I just saw before. The women's basketball mm-hmm. seems slower. They don't jump as high. They're good shooters and they're competitive. But it just seems like a step down. That's not fair to them. They're playing it pretty good at a good level. Um, the same with hockey. When I see women's hockey, it's just a little bit slower. Um, they're doing things pretty good. But, it, you know, it's, it's the comparison problem. Like if I went to a high school football game, I'm enjoying it for what it is. The trouble is when you start comparing them right next to each other. Um, and so I'm wondering what sport do women play that – you don't compare it to the men as easily. Like tennis, I think tennis, tennis. Is, soccer, yeah. I think is pretty close. I think the women's yeah, soccer team is good, but but tennis is, and and I think women's tennis, except for Serena's dominance the last few years, have had some great rivalries. Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova. Uh, you know, uh, uh, again, there have been a lot of great rivalries, and I think the the sport is. Even though for a long time they only played best two out of three sports instead of three out of five sets, but then the money issue, which has been a problem for a long time, I think it's just competitive. Uh, women's soccer, it, it tends to only be big two times: the Olympics and the World Cup. Okay, I mean, now I'm going multiple multiple uh, leagues, professional leagues, which have failed. All right, so I went politically incorrect a little bit. Now I might lose my man card. The most okay. competitive. It's, it's, best women's sport that I enjoy watching is figure skating. Not because it's pretty, but it's so difficult to handle the pressure. These ladies have to do it just right and to control their bodies and to be judged. It it is one of the most dramatic, compelling things you can watch. And um, just the athleticism, too, of them jumping and spinning. To me, if I had to watch any women's sport, it would be figure skating. Okay, now I can be politically incorrect. (laughs) <laughs> My problem with with skating and gymnastics and dance competition. You can't do it. it or not, well, no, because dance is going to be in the Olympics, not this time, but in three years. It'll be a competitive sport. I don't know what's good and what's bad. I mean, you know, people complain about it. that's your problem, not theirs, though, is it? Well, see, people, it's a me issue. But I don't know yeah. a double axle from a triple axle, or I mean, I just I can't tell you who's good. Listen, if I watch a soccer game or a hockey game, at the end of the game, I know who's won. Okay, you look at the scoreboard; it's, it's yeah. pretty easy in that respect. But with judgmental sports, maybe I should have said judgment sports based on a collective of judges deciding the scores. I I have problems. You know, if there's a golf yeah. match, I know who's won at the end of the day. I can see the. I mean sports in which the scoreboard is determined by internal judges lose me but I, Ernest, I, have, is it, I have no is doubt it that you don't is it that you don't know what their their the parameters are judging on because for me that i agree with you there and i just sometimes okay what are the what are the categories and and things you're looking at obviously there's some some personal perceptions on what each individual season gives the score but and there's a variation. It's a variation. Yeah. If you look at it, they drop the highest and lowest, and they go to the middle. It's it's when you go to water sports, uh, relay, uh, uh, competitive swimming. I understand yeah. diving. I don't. I mean, they give the scores. One dive looks the same, unless yeah, it's Greg, unless water, right? Greg Greg is hitting the back of his head on the diving board. I can't really tell the difference. That I can yeah. tell. Blood in the water. Uh, 
and that's another story for another time. Dun, dun, but dun, dun, uh, yeah, I mean that I can tell. But but sports that have that are judged internally, I have a difficulty. I mean, I have a being in the South. I have a lot of people who can't understand hockey, and I go, dude, you put the biscuit in the basket. I mean, you you coach <laughs> kids in soccer, offsides basically almost the same. We just have a line. Soccer, you don't have a line on the field. Uh, yet they'll watch the the competitive dancing and the gymnastics and and the diving and I go like I, I can't get it I don't understand yeah again any sport in which you have bobbles and you have sequins you kind of lose me yeah that well, really did sound like, man centered though isn't it with what you said with figure skating no, no like, sequins yeah sequins lose me as a sport. <laughs> <laughs> You just have them but, in your uh, closet. That's all. No, no, no. I am sequin free. I guarantee you. But but I, I think you you made a point too. As I'm thinking about tennis, soccer, and you like uh, gymnastics. I know it's a judging type sport as well. But comparative like sports between male and female, in all genders, right? Uh, you know, uh, all those things. You know, seeing seeing people do what they do on the balance beams and all those things. It's it's quite it's quite interesting to see the the body mechanics that some people can, can do some things. Now, so both of you have daughters. Are there any sports yeah. that they had interest in? I mean, yours is a little young, Travis. Just, just dance and uh, gymnastics, <laughs> right? Now. Um, she gets out there and shoots the ball with me at the basketball hoop. So I might try to get her worked in some, some basketball sometime. And uh, so, uh, but yeah, none, none yet. So Paul, yeah. was there any sport your daughter was was drawn to not maybe not as a participant as a fan no okay <laughs> no oh, not right. really she Moving played on. it to be social that's about it she played volleyball she played basketball she tried soccer eh, eh, eh. yeah volleyball is another one we didn't mention it only gets the attention of the olympics is there such a thing as competitive talking uh, uh Okay, send your cards and letters <laughs> paul arnold at go blue mail there, there, well, shout out to North Carolina. There is a hollering contest up here, uh, not far from Spivey's where we corner. live. Spivey's Corner. Spivey's Corner. Uh, so it's pretty close to what you said, Paul. But uh, to kind of wind us down tonight, get it uh, as we're just talking local, Spivey's Corner hollering contest. But getting local to Ernest I here in uh, North Carolina, our host, uh, two hosts here. We're, we're Panthers, you know, through our team. Free agency. No, today I'm not going to go there, but today was significant. Okay. We had a couple Panthers legends retire, and they signed a one-day contract with the, with the, the Panthers. And uh, we had uh, Greg Olson, tight end, and uh, our defense defensive player for quite some time, uh, not Terrell Davis, uh, Thomas Davis. And uh, I, I kind of like the idea. I understand, you know, signing the one-day contract, coming back to your home team, your loyalty and all those things. And it was good to kind of see that, that happen. But uh, – thought come to my mind i would ask you guys you know if you know you guys are uh you know have 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 had a longer career than me but what if that was the case in the real world professional life if you could go back to one job <laughs> in your life and sign i want to go work back at this job at least one more day before i, I hang up my professional coat and my pen um because our jobs are important it makes us who we are um, we do it five, ten days, you know, you know, five days a week, six, seven days a week, whatever. And uh, we see our employees more sometimes than our family. So, if you, Paul, if you could sign a one-day uh, contract with a job that you've done before, what would that be and why? Wow, that's that's a yeah. really good question. Um, Deep question. I know what I'd do. I'd go back to Rockingham, North Carolina, and sign a contract with Comcast – Sports and do one day of broadcasting with Ernest and and call it a career. Oh, one more awesome. game. Yeah. One, one more game. <laughs> we did two years of uh, football games, Ernest and I, at Richmond County Raiders. One year I was in the booth and they kicked me out because I was being too loud and they sent me down the sidelines. But that was a ton of fun. A ton of fun. Well, I got a re- funny story related to that. Then I'll ask Ernest. You can answer the same question Paul did, but. With our announcer at the high school football team, we were the Vikings. And, um, you know, I played defense majority of the time, ran the ball some. But our announcer would sometimes say, 
uh, a host of Vikings made the tackle, or a couple times he, he, he got away with it. He said a shipload of Vikings, and uh, <laughs> a, a lot load? of people would think a shipload of oh, Vikings. with a P. And a, lot of, a lot of people thought he said uh, uh, the like other Paul one. just thought. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. We got to pick Paul back off the, off the floor after that. Yeah, after ships and plugs, right? So, <laughs> Ernest, if you could sign a one-day contract with a uh, with a career that you've had before, uh, we've uh, heard many different things you've done before. What would that be? I don't think I've left anybody on good terms. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why I'm not on Facebook. Uh, I have I'm I'm I've always my philosophy in life has always been looking forward. Don't look in the past. Uh, I have known anybody who I've worked with in the past that I want to reach out with, I would have done already. So I have no intention. I think that whole thing is just a PR move. I don't think yeah. they're very productive in that respect. It's, it's just a PR move. And it, it is usually it's the players trying to angle for some scouting job or some front office job of some respect, but uh, it's usually they, they trash the team. Like when Steve Smith left the Panthers, he pretty much trashed everybody. And they came back and signed him for one day. Like everything was okay. You know, contrition or anything like that. You know, it's, it's a PR move. Now I, I have, if there's anybody in my past, I would want to meet up with, I would, would have done that already. I mean, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Sure. I'm sorry, sure. but I do, I do know, I, uh, I do know several stories like your announcer of guys who uh, yeah. we, we, we follow, particularly play-by-play guys have a bad habit of falling into using the same term over and over to the point that we're not, fam- we don't recognize it because a lot of us don't go back and listen to ourselves because unless we're highly egotistical or record it. <laughs> and, uh, we do have certain phrases, pet phrases, uh, and I've I've caught myself in doing presentations. There's certain uh, prepositional phrases that I'll use ad nauseum. And, yes, uh, and I agree. I concur with that, Ernest. Yes, I do. <laughs> I know that. And you just have to, you have, to, and it's good if you have someone to listen to you and, and kind of catch you from doing those types of things. But it is. It's amazing how, and I did radio and TV for 20 years. I never cursed on air. Which is okay. knowing my normal life is highly su- surprising, but then again, I never did around my parents either. So I, I guess there's some subliminal control. But we had uh, Paul knows may know about this story, but we had a principal who did <coughs> PA at the same school that showed up drunk one night. Yes, I and, remember. And then he just he, he, he got escorted. Yes, he got. He was uh, escorted from the, the press box in that respect. There's some interesting stories over the years in okay. press boxes and things. Well, uh, Ernest, while you're speaking, your tongue is warmed up. Go ahead and give us your last kind of uh, last take for this evening. We're about to wrap up for the day. Well, it's just been a great month of sports. We've <laughs> talked about it already. I mean, it's 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 interesting. It has been a year since we've gone through COVID, and I saw a fascinating article on a website called Slate, and they asked people, what have you learned through one year of COVID? And it's it's fascinating. You know, if you could go back a year, what would you tell yourself? And a lot of people, and it was, it was a great construct of it, a lot of people would say, you're stronger than you think you are. Because we were looking into the the chasm a year ago when everything shut down, Um, not only sports, but for a lot of us, our jobs, the schools, um, businesses, a lot of people have been hurt economically. And I think there's a resiliency. We tend to sit and look at the bad things we've gone through. And, you know, half a million people have passed away in this country from this disease, yet as a nation, I think in in certain respects, we've been resilient. I think after 9-11, we showed a resilience. And yeah, we still have political squabbles and we have regional squabbles and we have disagreements. But I think a strength as a nation that we've come through this individually, uh, I think it's something that we're going to look back at. And it's something our children and grandchildren will speak about when they're older. This has been that that trial that they went through. Some of us older have gone through the assassinations of presidents, 9-11, you know, things like that, uh, the racial strife. 
But in the end, uh, we're still standing as a nation, and, and families are still strong. So, uh, again, it's, it's, I, I remember there was a movie called Starman many years ago, and uh, Jeff Bridges is in it, and he's an alien. And they asked him why did he come to Earth, and he said, uh, the thing about humans, as fragile as they are, as, 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 as much as they don't get along with each other, we're at our best when things were at their worst. And that's mm-hmm. a 30 year old movie, but I thought, I think of that quite a bit this last year that we're at our best when things were at the worst. It's rare that's that I'd be uplifting like this. Usually I'm the downer and Paul's uplifting. So we're going to let Paul be the, the uh, downer for this, this month, this week, excuse me. <laughs> Paul. Hey, I'm not going to be down at all. Hey, it's 65 degrees in Michigan today. Woohoo! The basketball team's doing good. The baseball team, I'm going to go to an afternoon baseball game in Michigan to watch one of the top 10 baseball programs in the nation. So I'm feeling good about all that. And so I really appreciate these guys doing the podcast. And so I turn it over to you, Travis. Yes, uh, Paul, that, that leads me into my good closing statement. I am so excited. In North Carolina, we've had 70, 75, almost 80-degree weather some days. We move our clocks forward one hour this Sunday. Don't forget to do it if this is applicable to wherever you live, right? But uh, I'm looking forward to that extra time at the evening of getting outside, and I encourage you to do the same. Get outside. Get that vitamin D that we've all needed so much here this this cold, dreary, and cloudy winter. And um, uh, I just want to thank you for... uh, listening to Pardon Confusion once again and uh, feel free to, to like us and uh, uh, leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with and so thank you for listening guys and thank you for participating Paul and Ernest <laughs>